how are retailers going to deal with ongoing campaigns like this against either a stance that they take or a marketing effort that they do? I'm Daphne Howland. And I'm Danny James, and we're reporters at Retail Dive. This is our podcast where we look into the biggest retail trends shaping the industry. We talk about what traditional retailers are up to, what's happening in the DTC space, and everything in between. Plus, we'll be talking to some industry experts along the way. This is The Backroom. But first, a word from our sponsor. Adian is financial technology that scales alongside the world's biggest businesses. Every sales channel, every customer, every payment, all on a single platform. Adian, financial technology built for agility at scale. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Backroom with Retail Dive. This is Danny. I'm here with Daphne again today, and for this month's podcast, we have a pretty interesting hot topic to discuss in retail news. And for our listeners, if if you're in the retail beat, if you follow retail business, this will not be a shocker to you, but we'll be discussing the controversy related to Target's LGBTQ plus Pride Month merchandise. This comes off the heels of of quite a bit of drama involving Anheuser-Busch as well. So a really hot topic just in general with consumer goods, retail overall, And Daphne has done some amazing reporting in the past two to three weeks throughout Pride Month about the controversy with Target and also taking a larger look at the situation just with the industry as a whole. So with no further ado, we're kind of going to dive in today. And to start off, Daphne, wondering if just for our audience, in case anyone doesn't know what happened, could you give us a little bit of background on on what Target did earlier in the month that, that has caused some controversy? Yeah, thanks, Danny. It wasn't even earlier in the month. It was before Pride Month even started. Late May, Target started putting out its Pride displays, getting ready for Pride Month in June. And I think the anti-woke mob, as some people would describe them, were fresh off their victory against Bud Light. And as you said earlier, Bud Light, as part of a wide-ranging campaign where they had developed special edition cans of Bud Light for various influencers. They included in that campaign a transgender influencer and, you know, all hell broke loose because this is a time right now where the civil rights, the basic right to exist of LGBTQ plus people is really under attack. And it's sort of, you know, it's beyond boycotts, but certainly part of the framing was boycotts. And Target was, you know, literally a target of the same kinds of people who were protesting Bud Light. Really a lot of vitriol on social media and what became especially difficult for Target is, you know, when it, when it was Bud Light, people would film themselves smashing cans or whatever, which is always interesting because it means you have to go out and buy a six pack in order to destroy it. But, you know, people were going into Target stores and destroying merchandise and confronting store workers. And that's a, that becomes a really scary, volatile situation. And Target basically 
quickly adjusted and either moved, either downplayed their pride displays or moved them to the back of the store because they had been prominent right in front of the store, at the front of the store when you walk in, or um, removed them altogether. And then came backlash against that because LGBTQ plus groups, advocates, allies were really disappointed that a retailer that had stuck its neck out in so many other ways has a decade's worth of not just strong merchandising, but also real advocacy. They filed an amicus brief in favor of same-sex marriage. They kind of soldiered through their policy, when their policy to allow people to use the bathroom or fitting room that corresponds with their identity. They took a lot of heat for that and they soldiered through that. And so this is the same retailer that is now pulling back their Pride merchandise before Pride Month even starts and didn't really say much. I mean, when they put out their statement saying, you know, things are getting really volatile at stores. And so we felt like we had to do this. I think a lot of people understood that part, but their subsequent statement of support was a little bit, it was just a, it, it wasn't very strong. And then when the, when the community came out and said, come on, let's reiterate, please reiterate your support the, to Target even to this day as we're recording and we're well into Pride Month now, has not followed up with any statement of support for the community. Right. Yeah. I think this statement, that was what I was going to ask about, is is interesting because it's a pretty brief commentary given the, the politics of the situation. They, they were fairly brief in what they said. And to your point, they haven't said anything since. So it's been several weeks since they initially announced what they were doing and why. And I think something notable, just from my perspective, about the situation and their statement exactly is that they don't say, they don't concede pretty much in their statement to the group of people who who are upset about some of this pride merchandise. There is no admission of guilt or concession. They don't agree. They don't say they agree with the claims that some of these people are making about the pride merchandise. Some of the commentary is, is, you know, about, you know, inappropriate children's merch and, and pride merch in general being marketed to children. Target did not concede on any of those points, but in their statement, they really focused it on quote, volatile circumstances in stores and really made it about kind of the threat that some of their employees are facing, which to your point, Daphne, I think is a fair concern to a degree. You know, if anyone has been online on Twitter, you'll see videos of, of people going, filming themselves going into Target and pretty much harassing workers who also don't really have a say in how the merchandise works, of course, which is just very interesting to me because, because yeah, anyone in the business obviously knows the people who work at these stores do not make those decisions. But yeah, yeah, the the focus here for Target in their statement, although it was brief, was mostly about the safety of their workers. They did say they're still going to support the LGBTQ plus community throughout the month. But yeah, it was a fairly brief comment given the circumstances. Worker safety and feelings of safety even are really important. I mean, I actually talked to Allison Taylor at NYU who sort of specializes in corporate values. She has a very 21st century take. And she really believes strongly that it needs to be rooted in human rights. And even as 
corporations and companies and retailers talk more and more about their ESG efforts and their social impact goals. They're talking more about it. I think they're realizing that it has to be maybe more authentic than it was 10 years ago, that it can't just be your ESG team doing who knows what over there in the corner, that it actually has to matter on some level. But I mean, where she's coming from is basically, yeah, you literally need to start squaring some of your own ESG rhetoric with how you operate as a company. So, you know, we've seen things like Amazon and Starbucks and Target even making statements about their labor practices and their labor philosophy and how they believe in labor rights and unionizing as a right, and then take very different actions when their stores actually want to unionize. And that that's the kind of disconnect that Allison Taylor would say corporate America still needs to work on. She said that, you know, ensuring worker safety is one of the human rights that Target needs to worry about. So it's it's not even just, you know, like an insurance issue or a liability issue. It's literally, in her mind, a human rights issue. And we remember the, you know, stuff that went on in stores during the whole mask mandate era when store workers were getting bullied for enforcing like the governor's rule or or the corporate headquarters rule, you know, it's totally unfair. And Target definitely has that obligation to protect its workers' feelings of safety and outright safety. But then there's this other piece where they just are, I, I don't know. I, I so desperately wish they would answer my calls because what are they thinking? Are, are they just hoping that it blows over? Are they like in the, you know, tornado shelter kind of waiting for it to go away? Yeah, they're in a silent mode right now, for sure. I think they're hoping it blows over, certainly. Yeah, I think an interesting point is also just to clarify for the listeners is that they aren't removing all the merch or they didn't remove all the merch from their LGBTQ plus pride assortment, but they did remove what they called the most like controversial pieces, which quite a bit of it that was removed has to do with or is marketed towards transgender individuals has to do with being transgender, which I just think, you know, dovetails interestingly with the Bud Light situation. And it's in, it's been interesting to see, even though Target has barely said anything, what they did say was quite different than what Bud Light or Anheuser-Busch had said about the situation. Um, you know, the the company had at Anheuser-Busch had let go of one of the executives who who had a play or a role in working with Dylan Mulvaney, the influencer. And so so there's definitely a difference in reactions here. You know, I, I know even the attorney general, am I right, Daphne, of New York State has has weighed in on the target matter, if you can elaborate on that. Letitia James, basically, and she sent the letter in early June, but kind of went public with it mid-June and signed by 14 other lawmakers statewide in New York saying this is giving in to extremists and that companies like Target, especially ones with a good track records like Target, can't be caving into extremists. And this goes to something that came out when I worked on a feature just kind of exploring how Target, which has a decade of, you know, bona fides when it comes to the LGBTQ plus community, 
could disappoint that community so terribly. And as I talk to people, you know, they would say, well, these are extremists. This is extreme. This is not mainstream America. This is not, you know, just white bread America. This is not your average American's reaction to pride merchandise. This is extreme and it's vocal and volatile and loud, but it's not the majority. Right. I think you bring up a good point. Yeah. I mean, for listeners today, it's like, how many of your friends are walking into Target stories and videotaping themselves like harassing workers? Probably very few, you know? So yeah, I think that's a good point. This is this is a smaller group of people that have had a big impact now on Target's assortment. Right. And a lot of my experts were saying, you know, this is giving into this vocal minority that is kind of screaming, literally screaming in stores. And it's sort of not fair to people who just want things to be good for people and fair to everyone. I mean, those of us who believe in human rights believe they should apply across the board. You know, the stuff that Target took away, you know, I talked to a couple of people who said that a lot of Americans really are still grappling with different transgender issues. Although even while like small majorities have some misgivings around gender affirming surgery for children, for example, or puberty blockers, which is a medical procedures, much bigger majorities are in favor of gender affirming therapy and, and protection of civil rights. So it's not like America is across the board anti-trans. I think America, you could say in general, is grappling with this. Well, you know, I think an interesting point with what you're saying, right, is like their customers have a wide set of viewpoints and they react differently to things. And most Americans aren't going into targets and yelling at workers there over the assortment. You know, as a shopper, unless something was insanely egregious to me, you know, I probably won't notice a piece of merchandise. You know, it's just, there. I imagine there's a lot of Americans, people who are shopping at Target in the US who, who really just walk by this type of merch and don't really think twice about it even if their viewpoints are a little more, you know, moderate to conservative sometimes. And I know Walmart even came out with a statement because when Target did this, you know, there was a, there was a lot of questions to other mass retailers about if they were going to do something similar. And Daphne, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Walmart's very brief statement on it was pretty much that they were going to keep doing what they were doing. They have some pride merchandise they do every year, maybe not at the scale that Target does. But Walmart said that they provide an assortment of products to various different groups of people throughout the year and that they were going to keep doing that, which I think is an interesting point, right, is retailers offer a wide set of products to a wide set of customers, and and that's just from a business perspective makes the most sense. So Target is over here. I mean, I wrote two long features on Target and Target is in the middle of this controversy. And Walmart got a lot of good press for saying that they were going to stick with the their Pride merchandise. But I mean, I didn't see any reports of these like wackadoodle people rampaging through Walmart stores and knocking stuff over and destroying merchandise for one thing. So their stores, from what I can tell, 
we're not getting attacked by, you know, people. And secondly, I went into our local Walmart super centers, one of them, and the pride merchandise, first of all, I wandered all over the store. I asked, actually, I covered my bases. I asked three different people at three different points and their pride merchandise was one end cap of, I want to say half a dozen beach towels, pride themed. And then I sort of picked over, over by the seasonal, this was all in the seasonal area where there was a lot of graduation stuff and Father's Day and, you know, some, a lot of stars and stripes because July 4th is around the corner. There was a, a selection of glow sticks that were also pride themed. That's Walmart's, that's the extent of their pride display. So starkly different than Target. Target tends to have a big, big display. Yeah, Target has very loud and proud end caps. But yeah, it seems like Walmart in general just has less pride merchandise to be upset about um, if someone were to be upset. So yeah, it, it was an interesting statement. Um, I think they made a good point and, and it seemed like a lot of people thought they did. But to your your perspective and, and experience just going into stores. And I know that you're exploring this idea with a photo essay that should be out. So listeners look out for that when it comes out. But Target just has much better pride displays than, than most mass retailers. Is that right? I mean, Target, if Target said this out loud, I guess they could invite a whole nother backlash. If one of these dummies who went rampaging around Target went to Walmart, they, they might not even notice the pride merchandise. They could walk past those beach towels very easily. Target though, still, so I went, so I'm based in Portland, Maine. This is a certain demographic where the, we're New England. It's not the most liberal place in the world. The Portland area is the most liberal part of Maine. And New England basically has a reputation of being sort of a live and let live area. Our Democrats are probably, generally speaking, a little bit more conservative and our Republicans are more moderate up here. So you've already heard me describe Walmart's merchandise. Macy's had a very small, well-appointed, but tiny little display near the customer service desk in the back of the store. Walgreens had one shelf full of kind of cute pride stuffed animals. I mean, Walmart's shelf was like the Target pet section shelf. The pet section at Target got its own little pride display. So I went to a bunch of places, local retailers, and I'm sure this is probably true across the country. Local retailers clearly have a lot more freedom or bravery whatever it's taking, they have the room to express themselves. But I have to say, Target, by far, you walk into the store, at least in our local store, the pride display is prominent. It's huge. It's got that really nice merchandising that they're doing these days where it's a bit modular, not just aisle upon aisle upon aisle upon aisle. It's not just end caps. It's signage. It's mannequins. It, they're still, they still have the best, loudest, proudest pride display for mass retail, when, even when all is said and done. And I know that you, you know, one of your, your large pieces or stories about this topic was just overall, are retailers, you know, afraid of being woke nowadays? And I cringe using that term, 
But but I don't know if you can speak a little bit about who you spoke to for that story and kind of the perspectives of some of the experts you you chatted with. So I talked to Allison for that story also, and I did a, a other research just trying to figure out because a, a bunch of people had said to me, you know, these are extremists. So I just decided to kind of poke at that notion, you know, and and I don't know how extreme like when someone goes into a store and decides to go running through a target destroying stuff like are they trying to get attention uh, what are they afraid of I, I'm not sure that they're necessarily a member of a right-wing militia those people however right-wing militias are literally this is top of their agenda is really going after LGBTQ plus rights focusing on transgender but just across the board since January 6th they have picked up cultural issues as as part of their, you know, reason for being. And they've really gone after the LGBTQ plus community. So it's literally is extremists. I mean, I have some statistics in the in the story. It's not when people say it's extremists, they don't just mean that the opinions are outliers. The the opinions are extreme. But it's literally coming from this corner of our society that is also, you know, fomenting neo-Nazi rhetoric and was involved in January 6th. So that's another thing for me. And, and I don't have an answer to this, but how are retailers going to deal with ongoing campaigns like this against either a stance that they take or a marketing effort that they do? when it's literally the worst pockets of our society are behind the protest. I don't envy the CEOs and people who have to make these decisions right now, I'll put it that way, because you're, you're right. I mean, a majority of Americans and just shoppers are not extremists and don't have those points of views and aren't going into stores and acting this way. And yet Target felt like it was a big enough issue, you know, this group of people who do do this to skim back on their their merchandise. So, you know, I think there was a lot of backlash to Target, but certainly I don't think we're pretending to know what the correct solution is here when when maybe worker safety is a concern for some retailers. And retailers just obviously from a business perspective don't want to alienate anyone, ideally. Um, so yeah, they're in the, the muddy waters of a socio-political situation right now. I don't know if anyone has the right answer, but I do think the situation is unique in that I think some of the more extremists, to your point earlier, were really emboldened by the Bud Light situation because despite maybe some of these viewpoints not being held by a majority of Americans so strongly, um, Bud Light sales did get impacted by it, or Anheuser-Busch specifically with Bud Light, those were impacted the sales. So it was kind of a win in that regard for them. And and yeah, I think there's a, a sense of just confidence among this group of people who are doing this and retailers are stuck in the middle of it. I think that, you know, it might make companies think twice about doing the campaigns in the first place, which is also a shame. I mean, one of Target's items that they pulled, it was literally a t-shirt that said transgender people will always exist it, in like cute lettering with an exclamation point, which is just a fact. 
I mean, it's a fact. The right. transgender people. At the people, end of the day, more of like a fact. It's a fact on a t-shirt with an exclamation point in cute lettering. Transgender people will always exist. And by the way, everybody, they will. That's just how it's going to work. So they had to pull a t-shirt that had a statement of fact on it. I think there was a time when maybe someone who, if that shirt made someone uncomfortable, they might walk by it and roll their eyes and keep going and not, you know, knock it over and shred it. And, and by the way, lie about it. That's the other thing is that, you know, some of the things about Target's merchandising were lies. And in order to make their points, they actually had to exaggerate and lie about what was really going on. So I guess, you know, retailers have to contend with that. Like, don't do anything that could be misconstrued or easily lied about. I don't, you know, these are, like you said, tough questions. Right. And I think, um, you know, it's an evolving story still, like Daphne said, we haven't had any update or, you know, additional commentary from Target, despite, you know, classic journalists, multiple requests to them. But um, yeah, it's an evolving story. And, and I know you're still working on on perspectives on it. And we'll just have to see if, if any other, you know, politicians, attorney generals put out statements about it. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how much of an effect long term this will have on marketing in general. You know, Nike had a lot of success when they doubled down when Colin Kaepernick came under fire. And part of it is knowing your audience. I think that Target probably did know their audience. I'm interested to see what goes on for the rest of the year. And it'll be interesting to see what next Pride Month brings us to and just how much some of these issues really trigger people. Yeah, I know, you know, I was at the DC Pride Parade um, just a couple of weeks ago here in Washington. And, you know, it's always a joke every year that that there's companies and corporate groups that have huge parade um, floats. And at the end of the day, do they really do much for the community? Um, That's always a critique every year. And there was a lot of, of jokes and just like, you know, imagine seeing like if Bud Light still had a float this year and you know, if Target had anything. And, and it's just, I think it'll be interesting to see if companies pull back on on even things like Pride Parade floats next year. So yeah, to be continued for sure. There's something about that kind of caving, especially at Bud Light, that is like, that's not what the hero does in the movie. You know what I mean? But like you said, at the end of the day, companies exist to make money. But, you know, again, going back to Allison Taylor, they do, they do have to exist as, you know, ethical entities whose values are based on human rights. Right. We can't pretend that they don't have like an impact on um, society, not to be dramatic about it. <laughs> but, yeah. but um, I'm, you know, anyone, anyone who follows the beat knows how much of an impact Walmart has on people's lives, how much an impact Target yeah. can have on people's lives. And how much of an impact they have on the rest of retail. So, yes, yeah, they, they have some, some responsibility when it comes to ethics and just human rights, to your source's point. All right. Well, as you said, Daphne, this is an ongoing story. We'll be sure to keep watching it. And, you know, for listeners today, be on the lookout for a photo essay from Daphne. That, that's kind of going to take a look at pride displays um, across a lot of the big retailers. So that'll be out sometime around this podcast. 
This episode of The Backroom was produced and edited by Caroline Jansen. Please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.